Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Sumter. Guys, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to see another day that's never a promise. Guys, before we start today's show, I just want you all to take some time, and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And I want you to just visualize and reflect on just a time and a moment in your life where you felt your very best self. And I want you to just take a moment. And I want you to just now open. Now I want you all to know that you are not alone on this journey. There's always somebody going through something, but at the same time, we can always grow through what we go through. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to take your notepads and your pens out. Wherever you may be at, the office, the gym, maybe, you know, about to travel somewhere, who knows? I have a very, very special guest on my show today, making her first appearance. I'm very excited. Um, been connected for some time now. And uh, she is a cutting edge media analyst that will rock your world. The principal behind Enchanted Branding and Public Relations relations, a premier entertainment-based PR firm based in Atlanta, Georgia. Her client list has included clients in the entertainment space, including music, acting, art, sports, and fashion. Her philosophy of combining creativity with public relations strategies has rendered her a branding expert with a history of assisting clients reach their career goals. She has been instrumental in securing numerous radio and television placements along with lucrative endorsement deals. She has secured her clients' placements on such networks as MTV, Fox, Ox Oxygen, Bravo, and many more. Guys, I want to introduce you to my dear friend coming straight out of Atlanta, Miss Crystal Jordan. Crystal, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, good afternoon to you as well and to everyone listening. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you and thank you for taking time out your busy schedule to be here. So I wanted to ask you, Crystal, just give us a little bit of background on you, you know, like where you grew up and how was it, you know, everything okay. of that nature. Um, I, I was born in Toledo, Ohio. Um, it was not very, about, about 10, 15 minutes from Detroit, Michigan. Um, my, my mother decided that she, after a while, she wanted uh, better for my, my brother and myself. And uh, she left my dad, she left her family and moved us to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I grew up, the majority of my life grew up in Tulsa. Um, but you know, where your, where your roots are always have a tendency to, to, to reach out and connect back with you. So a lot of the issues that we dealt with, you know, with my father not being there, um, and not having family around from Toledo kind of followed us, I believe, to Tulsa. Um, but I, I was raised for the most part there and then went to college uh, there at the University of Oklahoma. And in 2005, uh, relocated from Oklahoma to Atlanta. And in Oklahoma, I was really doing a lot of corporate PR. When I moved to Atlanta, Atlanta was off the chain. There was, I couldn't find a corporate job. I ended up getting uh, connected with another entertainment publicist that was, um, had, she had worked for LaFace and she had pretty much everybody on her roster that was hot at the time. So I went from working with doctors and nurses at the hospital to coming here and doing photo shoots with Sierra and TI. So it was a baptism by fire, but um, 
you know, that's the best way to learn sometimes is to get thrown into something. And so I got bit by the entertainment PR bug and that's where I, I have been pretty much ever since. I, you know what? I got a new puppy, guys, and he's very rambunctious. Hold on real quick. You all good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to put him in this cage. Okay, that's definitely something I would not want a client to do, but I've got the puppy in his cage. Got the puppy in his cage. But um, so yeah, so so entertainment publicity became um, the, the focus of what I did. I started out married with two kids and a dog and the like the all-American dream went through life, ended up becoming an, a single mom, an entrepreneur. So a lot of my journey with Enchanted PR, when my company really started to take off, was probably one of the hardest times in my life because I had just gone through a really, really, really painful divorce and was raising my kids by myself. So um, a lot of people looked at it like, wow, you have this great position, but it was really like um, a survival for me. It became the only way to survive and take care of my, my little ones. So by day, I'd be you know, doing soccer practice and cheer. And then at night I'd be on a red carpet with a celebrity. Um, but for me, it really was like, this is the best way for me to take care of my kids. Indeed. Now, what, what was like intrigued you mostly about this PR space um, or so? Because I read as well that I'm going to take us a little back, if you mind. When mm -hmm. you was in third grade that, a, you know, a teacher, because uh, you was always good at writing and a teacher yeah. accused you of cheating. So yeah. take us back in that moment or so like that. <laughs> wow, that's a story. I don't even remember where I shared that. Yeah, I, I, I was um, growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was usually the only black kid in the class or one of two. Mm. And I, but I was, I don't know, I'm not sure where, you know, writing started, but it was kind of like an escape for me. We moved and there was just me, my mom, my brother in the house. So I would write a lot. So we had, a, we had to turn in like a creative story. And I wrote and the teacher, like basically, uh, didn't even give me a chance to, you know, to defend myself. She just accused me of cheating. And I was so, you know, as a kid, you're so hurt because it's like, why would you think that? And of course, it makes you feel bad about yourself. So I went home and told my mom, my mom, you know, is that, that, that black mama, fierce mother bear. She went and she told the teacher, you know, she didn't, this is, this is Crystal. She doesn't, she doesn't, um, she's a, she writes, you know, she definitely didn't cheat. There was nowhere to cheat. We didn't have a, we didn't have anything back there. It's not like I would have been able to look online or, you know, even we didn't even have a television at that time. So my mom told the teacher, so the teacher said, okay, so this, since this is how you write, she became even harder on me, which I, I, I actually, she might've been, I'm not sure why she felt like I wasn't, you know, able to write that, that way, but when she saw that I could, she started making my work a lot harder. Okay. And um, especially when we would turn in things. And then my mother, my mother, I would write poetry a lot. And so my mother would have me sit down. We wouldn't have a, if, if there was a family that we wanted to give a gift to, I remember my uncle was getting married. We didn't have any money. So my mom would say, Chris is going to write a poem. And I would be like, I can't just sit and write. And she would say, yes, you can. And she would make me sit down at the table and write until I was done. So I tell people early on, there, I don't have any such thing as writer's block because my mother told me, you sit there until you finish, you can do it. And when you tell kids that, it gives them the confidence in what they're doing because there was no option. You know, so many yeah. times now we have options, but that was really when I started writing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote, I wrote my first novel when I was in fourth grade. I was mm-hmm. a <laughs> new edition and a, a friend of mine, I wrote a 400 page book in the, in the fourth grade. So writing was really that escape and it helped me to kind of deal with the stuff I was dealing with at home. Indeed. Now you mentioned that you was, it was only like two, you know, African-Americans in the, in the school. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that like? Did you, did you feel welcome or, um, how did you, how did you feel during those times of attending that school? Exactly. Well, and I, I attended, I went to that school up until I got to fourth grade. And, um, I, I can tell people when you grow up and you're the only black student, it, it really creates an energy that you feel shame because you got to remember I'm, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where the race riots happened. So I remember being in class and having to watch the race riots and watching black people have dogs turned on them and being beaten and then white students. And it's just, it feels very uncomfortable. A lot of the parents were racist. My mom always taught me that, you know, we don't care what other people think. And um, even though we may not have money, you're not poor because poor is a mindset. So my mom was telling me those things, but I had a really hard time, you know? Um, And one of the things about being the only black kid in the white, in a white environment is you're constantly aware and constantly trying to cater to others so that they're not offended by the difference. Right. And so then when I, my mother got me out of that school eventually, because it was like, I was always one of the smartest kids in the class. If not the smartest, it was myself and a Vietnamese girl named Mai. I'll never forget that. And, um, and then another girl, another girl named Regina and the three of us were the only minorities in the class, always the smartest ones in the class. And that just, the energy was just not positive sometimes. So my mom got me in a, in a magnet school where it was predominantly black. So I felt uncomfortable around the white girls and then me going from being in a white environment to a black environment, I felt very uncomfortable there as well. Wow. They made fun of how I talked, you know, I just, I, I didn't have a relax, you know, I was just, I, I was very different because I had been raised differently, you know, so. Um, a lot of times this whole idea of like what is considered black and what is not, we are, we are our worst enemy. Cause I can remember feeling so uncomfortable in both of those spaces, you know, and that's really, un- and when you think about it, go back and think about it for a 10 year old, a nine year old to feel that type of pressure. I didn't feel welcome in either space. And, and so that created this feeling of, well, I would have to just be by myself and figure things out. You know, and that's really how I've been. So I remember being at a job interview years later and a, a white woman asked me, how did I feel about doing public relations in Tulsa because I'd be the only black person doing it. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, and this was in front of a, this is a, this is like one of the last interviews. So you're in front of a panel of people. And that could have been an embarrassing moment. Again, I was the only black person at the table, but I told her I've always been the only black person. And that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. You know, I'm comfortable in that space. Um, because I know that this is going to change. I'm a part of change, you know, and I ended up getting that job, but I don't know if they realize how uncomfortable that makes a person feel, you know, to ask them that in a job interview in a room full of white privileged people, you know? Indeed. No, I commend you, you know, just really having strength as a young child, just growing up as well and still dealing with that same thing. So when did the transition come from you going from Tulsa to being to go to Atlanta or so of that nature? I, I got married in college. Um, I was really intent. You know, you grow up without a father, uh, broken home. I saw what that, you know, just did to our family. My first novel really talks about I was able to kind of confront that feeling because I felt like 
our life is bad. We don't have money because we don't have a dad, you know? Um, so I got married early. I had kids um, early and I wanted to create this idea of the perfect family because I felt like mm -hmm. I didn't have that. So right. I got married and my ex-husband's job moved us uh, to Atlanta. And I was excited because I felt like finally, you know, I can be around really progressive, amazing black people. I want, I didn't want my children to have the same upbringing that I did being feeling like the only black feeling like there was something wrong with them. So when we moved them to Atlanta, I mean, you know, you got young, successful African-Americans. So they're able to see that where I didn't really see that, you know, a lot growing up in between Toledo or Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. Right. So as you get to Atlanta, now, what's next? Like, I know you said you was in the marriage and everything of that nature. You got your kids, they're living around. So you, get to, you get to Atlanta, I got my, my first book published, husband, two kids, big house, garage, two cars, and all that crumbled. <laughs> I, got, I got very sick, um, had ovarian cancer. My ex-husband got laid off from his job. Subsequently, we ended up going through a, a divorce due to those issues and being young and not being able to handle that so like within i turned 30 and it seemed like my life was perfect and by the time i was 32 i was devastated depressed and you know wasn't really sure what the future held because everything i worked for had crumbled in front of my face you know yeah. so um i was working part-time because my ex-husband worked for at&t and uh, so I didn't really have to work. I worked part-time just to kind of, you know, get the kids ballet and Cub Scout money. Went through a divorce. Now my money has to be all of it. So I started working full-time, opened my own firm up and literally was like grinding as an entrepreneur in Atlanta, not having a lot of connections like other people did. But I knew that I had to make sure that my kid's life didn't change um, that they still were able to be in the school that I wanted them to be in. They were able to, I didn't want them to be a statistic. I did not want being a single mom to make my kids a statistic. So I was determined to be successful, but those were some of the darkest, loneliest, most depressed times of my life when I started my business. And like I said, people would not think that because they saw me on red carpets, hanging out with celebrities and they thought, mm -hmm. Know her life is great but i would literally for a year i probably cried every night on the drive home because i was devastated inside right who helped you get through those times like who helped you get through those toughest times through your, through your life during that time moment god and my mom and my kids and that's and that's really it you know i didn't i you know at that point in my life i was not i did not have the understanding that sharing with others helps take the load off of you. So I didn't tell anybody, you know, I would, I would cry, I would go home, shut, you know, after my kids were in bed, shut the door and just cry myself to sleep. I talked to my mother, my mother is a strong woman and she helped me through it and I prayed, but I stayed in a very dark space a lot longer than I probably needed to because I just, I did not, I did not know what to do. You know, I didn't know who to talk to. Eventually I started going to therapy um, and that helped me a little bit, but you got to realize while I'm in this dark space, my career is also doing great. It's going yeah. higher and higher. So there really is nobody saying, Hey, are you okay? You know, everybody's saying, girl, so many people, I remember I was on Chili's show. We did a big press run for her show, what Chili wants. And I ended up being on the show sometime, you know, as one of her confidants and friends and, and her publicist. And so many people wanted to be my friend because of that. And they had no idea that, you know, 
I was miserable inside, you know, and I could, I was a little resentful because you feel people coming at you because they want to be around you because of what you're doing and they don't really care about who you are. It can make you feel for me, for me, I'm not really, I'm not the kind of person that enjoys that. I looked at people like, wow, there's a lot of fake people here and I don't want them to be, you know, I don't want to let them into the real, the real crystal. So I, I, I was very standoffish with most people. Um, I actually got to be honest in, Chili and I developed a very deep friendship, not just working relationship, because she she's a kind of person that won't let you just work. <laughs> she would come over and be like, you know, what's going on with you? And and I because I would be in a photo shoot, finish up, be in tears in the car on the way home, and she just would not let me disconnect, you know. So she and I ended up, she ended up being one of my best friends. Um, wow. And I really think God put her in my life because I wouldn't have let her in if I didn't have to, but because we were working together and she was my, she was my responsibility for work, which allowed me to feed my kids. When she kept pushing, I couldn't shut her out where everybody else, I would have just, you know, distanced myself from them. So I always tell her, you know, we, we've been, we've been together since 2007 wow. and she knows that, you know, God, I feel like she was my tiny little uh, iconic Grammy winning angel <laughs> because we, we ended up being, you know, really, really tight because I worked my ass off, but you know, I also was going through, like I said, a really dark period and I just needed kind of like a big sister friend at that time. That's amazing. This is Chili from TLC, correct? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. How did that relationship form, you know, and tell us also, I think that I have a lot of younger women listening as well, uh, mm -hmm. tuned in. Tell us the importance of really having, just genuine people around you and accepting that, you know, yeah. along with just friendship and yeah. what it, the impact it can do on one's life. Well, I, I think that, I mean, what you said is so true. She, I remember her, like I said, just not letting me, not letting me withdraw. We would be on these big trips. We used to travel all the time and I would do my work and then go to my room and just kind of you know, be in my own shell. And she just, she was like, come in my room. <laughs> like, I don't want to go in your, come in my room. Let's talk. What's going on? But God knew I needed like that big sister at that time. And I remember her telling me, you know, that because I was distraught, I felt like my marriage, the, the, that was the one and true love of my life. I was, I was just, I mean, real talk. I was devastated. I missed my ex-husband. I, I didn't want to be divorced. I never wanted to be a single parent. And I remember her just telling me, Crystal, you're going to be okay. You know, you're going to find love again. That's not, that wasn't the only love for you. And, and we just, you know, we just, we just bonded. We bonded on the fact that she actually asked me to be her publicist because she told me she liked the fact that I was a good mother and I would leave work. Like I got, my son has a soccer game. I have to be at the soccer game. I'm the only person he has. My daughter has cheer practice. I have to do this. And she watched me um, because her manager had said, I want you guys to work together. But I was like, I don't want to push myself on somebody, but she watched me and she said, I respect you, you work hard. And I love the fact that you're a good mother. I want you to work with me. And so I started working with her. And like I said, it was really just what I needed for my personal life as well as my professional life. So I always, you know, have her back. She knows that, uh, you know, that's, that's beyond work. That's family, you know? Indeed. And what was the most, I guess, remarkable advice she's ever gave to you or so like that. So I know y'all had plenty of conversations, but of what advice. was that, that, <laughs> one, that advice that really stuck with you where you pass it on to your children as well? Uh, you know, she, Chili is somebody that, again, at that time I was, I was devastated and I felt like, you know, uh, I felt less than because, you know, my, my ex-husband had moved on. 
And, um, you know, she, she was just very instrumental in, you know, if you, if anybody knows anything about her, she's very big on self-love and self-care. And so you can't be around somebody day in and day out. When you're a publicist, you're with that person all the time. So she's a, she eats healthy. She works out. She made me, she made me put the focus on myself and it made me realize that, you know, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. You have to, you have to take care of yourself in order to enjoy your quality of life because I, at that point was living to take care of my kids. And I'm like, I don't want to be in a place where I'm sick, especially because I had, you know, an illness that I had gone through. It was just really important for me to take care of myself better. And I wasn't doing that, you know, prior to working with her. So just trying to find that balance. We we were good. She was very good for me to find work-life balance as a woman. You can't put your kids in job in front of yourself. And that's really what, you know, what I was doing. And so just being able to take that time, make sure I was eating healthy, make sure I was getting rest, understanding that, you know, a man is not, and not that I ever was a type of woman that thought a man was everything, but I had come from a 13 year marriage. You know, I was like, who am I outside of that relationship? And I really, and, and then she really taught me that kids can be fine. Like she'd always be like, your kids are fine. Look how amazing you are as a mother, you know, because I kept thinking, well, I wanted them to have a mother and a father. Life doesn't always go as we want it to go, um, especially at the time that we want it to go. Uh, and so she was just basically, you know, her and my mom gave me a, the confidence to keep going when a lot of times I just didn't have it myself. And so I really feel like I try to be that for other young women. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I still need older women in my life and mentors in my life. I still have those in my life now, but I really, I wish that I had known that it was okay to open up before her, you know? Indeed, no, I love that, that's amazing. You know, and there's always somebody along our time and our journey who sees something much more in ourselves and we're so much at our breaking point to help us break through. So yeah. we have, so what, uh, so there's struggling mothers out there, single mothers, yeah. who feel like they may need a man because they yeah. just, they can't, they're not able to do it on their, on their own or so. Mm -hmm. What is some advice you'll really give to them to help them be vulnerable? Yeah. Hear what's going on inside and awesome to help them just get through the times that they may be in, even with this pandemic going on or so. You know what I would say, um, and I've, I've, I've tried to push this out. Like my kids were my everything they still are you know they're grown now okay. but i i sacrificed so much for them like we would i would go out of town with chili but i would not go out of town i would have guys i would meet ask me to come fly to see them or do things like that and i wouldn't do that because i said you know i've got to i have to work because they and they know my kids are very involved in knowing that mommy has her own business mommy works and she, but she's working that's why she's not here and I, but I didn't put men in front of my kids, you know, so that was a huge sacrifice because there are a lot of men that were not, um, if I wasn't willing to jump on a plane and come see them for the weekend, they weren't interested. Um, if, if I wasn't able, I've had guys tell me, oh, I would have, I really was interested in you, but you were just always with your kids or mm -hmm. always working. And so where a lot of women, I feel like, feel like they're going to miss something. Sister, I promise you, you will not miss what God has for you. 
Um, that sacrifice, I, I lived in a suburb that was in a good school district because I couldn't afford to put my kids in a private school. So I had to make sure they were in a good school district. I had to make sure they were in activities. When I tell you, when I look at my kids today, my, my children are 25 and 22. I had them obviously very early, but I did, I did the right thing, you know, and, I, and it was hard. It was not easy going to work with her, being out at these events, not always having the money to look a certain way. Um, all of it was not easy, but when I see how successful and how confident and how balanced they are, it, I promise it pays off. You know, yeah. our first job as a mother and a father, I believe a parent period is to put, put more into your children. I want them to be more successful than me. My mom wanted me to be more successful than her. So I, I made those sacrifices and it was not easy, but anyone that would not respect that about me is not the type of man that I wanted. So all the type of men that I would meet, and I met a lot, I've had actually, I actually had a man call me after my son graduated and said, oh, now I'm ready to date you because your kids are gone. Like that type of energy you're gonna encounter, but you can't give in and you have to know that what God has for you is gonna appreciate the part of you that made that sacrifice. And that's really important. You know, that's one of the things that Chile, and then I started to get other girlfriends of, of like mine. You know, you don't put your children, you don't put your children on the back burner for, you know, a man making you feel good today. I'm not going to lie. That's not easy. Sometimes I did just wish that I could go out with somebody and have fun and feel pretty and all that. And you can, but anyone that wants you to put them before your children or not be responsible, they are not the person for you because those kids are dependent on you from zero to 18 you're all they have, you know? So, and I just really believe that the right man will respect that, you know, and I live by that. And I've, and I've seen that the men that are, that I've, that I've become friends with, they are men that tell me, Crystal, you did a great job. Any man would be proud to have a woman like you. The men, the women that are running and leaving their kids at home, that's not the type of, that, that's just not the energy that you want. If you want your children to be good and you want to be good. So don't, don't fall for it you got to think about tomorrow as opposed to today. So I just, and I promise you, I promise you it will pay off. My son graduated. He, he actually went to college early, a year early. He graduated in three years, national merit scholars, full scholarship. Like the, the, the reward was worth the sacrifice, you know, and these are kids that came from what people would say is a statistical uh, single parent family, but, but they are, my son got a perfect score on his PSAT. You know, my daughter was, is doing amazing and, 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 and one of the tops in her field. So you just, you just have to make sure that you do what's best for you and don't, and stay focused, stay focused, you know? Indeed. I love that. I love that. And they look, they look and see how strong mom was during the time and during, you know, the process and everything of that nature. Wow. Wow such moving, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a moving spirit there. So tell us, you know, um, just going forward or so like that, how did the Enchanted PR come about, Rolling Loud? You know, let's let's get into that. So Enchanted, I mean, Enchanted PR was going all during this time. I remember my daughter telling me, because at, at times I would be overwhelmed. You know, you're a publicist. You have, I was blessed to have a few clients that stayed with me for that duration of time. And it's not really it's really abnormal to have a, a publicist client relationship that's as long as I've had with Chili. I had another girl, Cristal, that was a top songwriter from Mariah Carey and all these people with the, these people like 11 years. That, that, that's unheard of, you know, but relationships are important, but still it was hard because 
you got to realize that's still, I got bills to pay and I'm doing all this on, on my own. And eventually I hired staff. Um, I think 2010, I hired my first person by 2012. I had a staff of four, which is a lot um, for you when you're by yourself, when you're paying people's salary, you're responsible for, for them um, learning and them being able to um, do good business that represents your company well. Um, so I learned a lot of really big lessons when it came to being a leader. Um, being a leader, a lot of a lot of a lot of people think that leadership. Oh, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to be a boss. Well, being a boss means you get paid last. Remember that. Being a boss means that you're responsible. If 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 an employee messes up, the client is not caring about the employee. They're looking at you. Um, so there's a lot that comes with that boss title that I think you have to learn how to serve first in order to do that. Like I, I, if I didn't have those seven years of corporate behind me, I would not have been a effective, you know, leader. And still I made huge mistakes, um, along the way. Uh, but I had to be willing to accept, you know what, I made a mistake, you know, <laughs> and I got to learn from that. So, um, getting mentors is key. But a lot of it is trial and error, but being willing to serve others before you, you know, are, 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 are leading is, is really important. Um, so, but, but it's interesting because when I was in college, and I mentioned I got married early, had kids, I started as a broadcast journalism major, right? And after I, you know, got married and had kids, I just felt like, well, maybe that's not for me being in front of the camera. You know, I had my second baby, I gained weight. So I gave that up and I just focused on public relations. Well, I, you know, doing celebrity public relations, I started realizing a lot of people had a really messed up idea of what it was. So I started doing a series just out of my own brain, thought I'm going to do a, a YouTube series called a PR minute. And I'm going to talk about what celebrity being a celebrity publicist really is because people have a jacked up idea of what it is like i went to school to do public relations and i i felt like a lot of people thought it was just this glamorous job that didn't have a require work it just was about looking cute on the red carpet so that frustrated me and i wanted people to know that there's work that goes into it so i started doing this series it's on my youtube channel now but it was like with my iphone it looked super homemade, but this is like before Instagram was really hot. So I put it up there and I was just talking for one minute about every, every week about something that's important in PR. Um, the publisher of Rolling Out saw that and he knew I was a writer because like I said, I had a book that came out in 2006 and he told me that I should be writing. He's like, why aren't you writing? You should still be writing for yourself. And I hadn't written since my divorce. Like I went through a heartbreak that was so bad. It kind of took away that that confidence and that love of writing. And I realized it's time for me to re go return to my first love, which was writing. So I started writing for Rolling Out. He encouraged me to do a video series for Rolling Out that basically took my interviews in video form, which is what Reality Check became. Um, and that was all for me just doing it on my own, right? Um, I didn't audition, I didn't go. A lot of people, so many people come to you. I wanna be on Rolling Out, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. I never went to them and asked. It was. They came to me. The same thing with Fox. I ended up getting a position as celebrity relationship uh, segment uh, on Fox Atlanta here. And that was from them seeing me do the work. Yes. Um, I know it's time for me to move to another, to something different, but it's going to come from me doing the work. I, I never was one that went and like bragged about myself or tried to put myself someplace else. I just do the work and you, you just, and, and I love doing it. I love talking to people. I love being able to hear stories. 
Um, and, it, and it happens organically. But I, I'm telling you, I have so many people that want to use you. They want to, they see you doing something and they feel like they should be doing what you're doing and they want to use you to get to it. And I just, it's funny because I'm just like, that never, I never, that's just not who I am. So it sometimes throws me off when people come at me like that, but I understand that a lot of people don't understand that they're, that they are worthy of their, of what they want. And they think they have to use other people or step on other people to get to it because they don't trust themselves. But I just, I guess being the only little black girl in a white class mm -hmm. and, you know, it just taught me that I got to do the work, you know, to get where I want to go. And how, how do you stay consistent for so long? And also something you said as well, I was looking at one of your series of maintaining your shine. Like tell us the importance of that. Even during you know, the, yeah. It is, that's, it's not easy. And I think you have to just, what, you know, Romeo said the other day, I really, I really enjoyed that interview because I think authenticity is key. I think people know when you're being authentic. And, and it feels better when you're being authentic, right? You, you can hold it. Like you can't hold a lie. It's hard to keep a lie going, but if you're authentic with yourself, um, then th there's nothing, there's no work that goes into that. It's natural. It, it flows easily. Um, I've had to go through learning how to like, you know, make myself, make sure, make sure to focus on myself because my, I focused on clients and my children for so long. Um, so finally I was like, okay, Crystal, you got to start, you know, doing something for yourself and putting your own voice out there. But really, I think maintaining your shine is really just about being authentic to yourself and, and figuring out, okay, this is, this is what feels right to me and being true to that. You know, you can't be afraid. You can't be, you can't be intimidated by others. And if you are, you have to push through anyway. That's the key. I don't think anyone is not afraid. I've been around some of the biggest celebrities in the world. Everybody is intimidated. Everybody is afraid. But the ones that win are the ones that push through, that push through regardless. Absolutely. I love that. And when is the time that you, you know, you failed and it took so much time to really, really uh, get, get back to, you know, like you said, similar to, but a time that maybe people don't know where you really, really failed in business. And it took some time to really, really help you kind of get back focused to being able to do your best work. Man, uh, I remember a time I had I had employees. I had like four girls working for me, and one of the one of the girls um, I really really liked her a lot. I, I mean, obviously, if you're a small company and you got people working, form personal relationships. So I really really liked this girl a lot. I kind of looked at her like a little sister, and she just kept. I could tell it was time for her to move on because um, she wasn't really happy when she kept messing up. And so I gave her a couple of warnings. And finally, she did something that I had to let her go which really bothered me because I really, really liked her, you know, um, still love her very much. But the girl sued me, like she sued me for unemployment. And then when she didn't get unemployment, she sued me for, uh, for her taxes. Cause basically she was saying that I should have been paying her taxes and she didn't want, you know, she didn't, she didn't, um, she didn't know that she's supposed to pay her own taxes. Well, I don't know. I did not know a lot about how to how to work business at that point at that point. So even though I told them they were responsible for their taxes, I did not know how to do it, you know. So I ended up being the bank froze my bank account. Now I'm a mother with two kids, frozen bank account and and a and a subpoena of the Georgia Department of Labor versus Crystal Jordan. I was petrified because I didn't know what was going to happen. <coughs> I thought I, bless you. I, bless I may lose my company. I may <coughs> lose where I live. 
I was petrified. And my mom, you know, my mom doesn't live here. She lives in Colorado, but I called my mom and I was like, what am I going to do? <coughs> um, it was probably the darkest point of my career because not only had she done that, <coughs> sorry, um, but I also had several clients that hadn't paid because Christmas was going on. I had some of them had something going, some, you know, issues come up, clients don't pay. When they don't pay, you still have to pay staff. So I had taken out a payday loan to pay my staff and I didn't have any money myself. It was Christmas time. I had to tell my, I had to explain to my kids that, you know, mommy can't afford to do Christmas this year because I got to pay staff. I can't not have them get paid because they've done the work, even though the clients haven't paid me. So that's part of that boss stuff that people don't think about, yeah. you know? Um, so I took out this loan, I paid my staff, but I was broke. And then I was sued on top of that. Um, and I, so I ended up letting everybody go. And I was, I was not sure that I was going to be able to come back. And I remember my daughter said, mommy, you can't let Enchanted PR go. Cause I was like, I'm just gonna find a job. This is ridiculous. Um, but when she said that my daughter was like 13, I'm like, Oh, I can't let, I can't let her down because she believes in me. And if, and, and that's how she sees herself. If she believes in me and she sees me fail, she may see that for herself. So I, I pushed through, I, I, I pushed through, kept going, get another client, hired another person on, learned from the mistake, um, you know, and, and I made sure to do things differently, but that was a really, I mean, these are people that you're very close to. And then they turned, I felt like she turned on me at the time when I had just given everything to make sure that I was able to take care of them. But, you know, I can't get upset about that because she's an employee. It's not, Enchanted PR did not belong to her. So of course she didn't have the same love for it and the same commitment to it that I did, you know, and I had to learn that employees are not, you can't expect more as, as much from them as you have to expect from yourself. So it was a harsh learning experience. It was a very difficult time. And I don't even think people around me knew what was going on, but I was, I, I struggled for about a year and a half. Uh, so you're glad that you went through it early and learned oh. through it early versus yeah. as it just helped you grow throughout the way. Well, it, did, it wasn't even really early. It was kind of in the middle, you know, it was kind of in the middle. It was like when things looked like they were great because you got all these clients, but people don't realize that just because stuff looks great, a lot of the clients, can't afford to pay or don't want to pay, you know? So um, it was a good lesson. Just like you're at your height, people think everything's great. I mean, you got a full staff. I had a staff, I had an office space, you know, things were booming, but you know, you get knocked back down, you got to get back up and, and start over again. Um, so at this time and point of your life is right now, what are some important uh, principles that you apply to your life that really, when working with your clients that you, to keep them, to, to sustain that relationship and to help them continue to push their brands even further and so. Um, you know what, the biggest thing I do is I just try to be true to what I know. Like, I feel like I, I love public relations and marketing and branding. Those are, thing, those are things that I love. Like I, I was doing that before I even was like working full time at it. That's just something that I lo I've always loved to do. I would tell my friends in high school how they should present themselves you know, to get it, to get an opportunity or to get a guy even like, okay, well, he likes this. We should do that. I was always into trying to figure out how to, how to, how to change public perception and how to make people think differently by things that you do. So I love that. And so I had to learn, I learned a big lesson one time when I was working um, 
with a, a really big client with Coca-Cola. And I remember I didn't trust myself because I thought that Coca-Cola was, I'm, I'm, it's Crystal Jordan again in this big urban marketing department of Coca-Cola. And so they were saying things that I just didn't agree with and I didn't speak up. And later when the project definitely was not as successful as it could have been, and the reasons were because of everything I knew, I learned I have to use my voice. So if you hire me, I have to be true to my voice and, and give you my professional opinion. Um, and so I've learned to do that and be honest. When you're honest with people, they respect you. And that, that's the best thing you can do for the relationship. Because even if you don't keep working with them, you still have a great rapport with them because you kept it real with them the whole time. Um, I also took a lot from the people I work with. Like I said, I've, I've had the, the privilege of meeting some of the biggest celebrities and being around people and seeing them. And I realized I needed to apply all the stuff that I saw those people doing to myself. Um, and I also think it's important not to be afraid to pivot. So I realized I want to be just as successful as the people I'm working with. So I pivoted recently in the last two years. I also took on a position with um, uh, a real estate investment firm, right? Because I want to learn the stock market. I want to learn real estate. And I want to be able to, one of my, one of my sister mentors said to me, she said, you want to be able to do a lot of the celebrities you work with don't want you to live in their neighborhood because they don't see you on their level, right? And so I was like, that's real. Like, I got to figure out how I can make, make Crystal just as successful as the people she's with. So I started doing and in, just investing more time into me. And that's kind of really what led to me writing that book because I realized that all these people that I was busting my behind for, they always believed in themselves. If nothing else, they bet on themselves. Um, I had a best friend that's a, a, a senior VP for Warner and he bets on him. I've watched him bet on himself since he and I started being friends in 2006. He's a multimillionaire today. Um, I, I quote him in the book. I quote Polo to Don in the book. He's always never, he's like, just because I believe in myself shouldn't make you feel any way about you unless you don't believe in you. And so I took all of that and I put all of that in my book. I really put all that into my life and I started seeing my life change um, even more for myself, not just what people see out, you know, all that other stuff. Cause I've never really cared about that. I always wanted to be successful for my kids. And now I realize, and for myself as well, but the difference between winners and losers is a mindset. It's just a mindset, you know? And if I could put my mind to when, after I was, you know, left by myself with two kids in Atlanta and dig myself up from being homeless with them after my divorce to living in a beautiful neighborhood and a beautiful home and do that was all from a mindset. You know, it wasn't from anything. I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. I didn't even know. I went to university of Oklahoma. No, again, black kid in a white school, 23,000 whites, 500 black students at the time I was there. So I'm not used to having an end. I'm used to fighting, you know, and getting my way up. So, I believe that it's, I believe in, in building a, a mindset that's strong, that, that reminds you that you are a winner. And if you, if that's what you believe in, that's what you will, that's what you will manifest, you know? Absolutely. I love that each and every part of it. Uh, congratulations as well. Let's get into it. You know, how to win, when, how to win, when shit happens, you know, I love yeah. the title. Um, so when did you write the book? And uh, I know, as you said, that you have some people, of that you know personally and people that maybe inspire. I know you got Wayne Dyer quotes in there. So mm -hmm. tell us about the book. I'm very excited to hear. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I wrote the, I started the book in February, um, actually really started it in March because we started hearing that we were going to be quarantined in February. And when they announced that we were going to be on lockdown in Atlanta in March, I was like, I'm not going to sit in this house um, and not do anything. I had clients that started to cancel things and um, I had clients scheduled to do Essence Music Festival, things scheduled at the Kentucky Derby, big promotional events that provide a lot of our income. So I was like, I can't just sit here. And it occurred to me that a lot of people were starting to panic. And so I, I knew that, you know, when you go through hard times, it's like when the iron goes to the fire is when it gets the sharpest and when it, and when it, when it actually transforms into iron. So I was like, this is going to be the time to make or break people. So I just started writing the book and I said, I, wanna, I wanted to write it while we were in quarantine. I wanted to be able to put it out in a timely way so that it could help people deal with this issue. Because the, the, the book is How to Win When Shit Happens. And then it's, the subtitle is 31 Affirmations to Build Mental Immunity in the Midst of Chaos. And I heard there were so many doctors saying that, you know, it's time to build your immunity. You know, make sure you're eating right. Make sure you're exercising but you can't even get in that in that space unless your mental is right right if you i know someone that's always trying to lose weight and work out like if you're not in a good headspace you can't do it so i was like what about no one's talking about your your mental immunity as opposed to your physical because yeah your physical can be good but if you're depressed if you're anxious that won't work you can't you can't get anywhere you can't even motivate yourself to go work out to even get good healthy food if you're not in a great mind space. So I started talking to therapists before I wrote the book also. And a lot of therapists actually, I'm not saying that this can cure depression because we know depression is, a, is an actual medical illness. It's something that people should take seriously. But one of the things that therapists do uh, prescribe is affirmations for people that are dealing with anxiety and depression. And so I created this book that's 31 affirmations to help remind you of who you are and to push you into your higher self. And of course, I had to get quotes from people that I look up to, like I said, Wayne Dwyer, Oprah Winfrey, Jay-Z, Kobe Bryant, so many people um, that are inspirational and have been inspirational to myself and other people and even friends of mine and, and people that I've been around because I realized I've been around all these, you know, I, I cannot tell people how it felt, especially being broke like I was when I first started. I remember sitting at a table with Chili and Taraji P. Henson and I'm like, why am I at this table with just the two of them sitting outside eating lunch? And I felt so out of place. Um, but that was going, that was my, my mindset. And I was thinking that everybody that walked by was probably like, what is, what is, who is that girl that's there at the table? Why is she there? When really I should have been like, you know what, let me learn. This is where I'm supposed to be. But that takes being healthy and having a great sense of self. And so I had to build that. I had to build that because when you're going to A-list parties and hanging out, I had to figure out how to, how to feel good about Crystal, even though I didn't have Louboutin, Gucci, plastic surgery, all the stuff that a lot of people around me had, I had to get my mind right, you know? And so I think that prepared me to write this book. Um, being around people that have succeeded, it's like, what's different about them? It's not, they all have different upbringing. They all have different um, family circumstances, education level. But one thing that is consistent is they all have a healthy mindset and a good sense of self. They all believe in themselves more than anything else. They all bet on themselves. And so that's what this book is created to do to help you have that same mindset. Oh, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, what did you enjoy most about the process of writing a book? And also, this is a two-part question, and how did you shift 
from being at that table and feeling like, man, I'm not even on these young ladies level to like really shifting that mindset from limiting to really being fully focused on yourself and where you're going and mm-hmm. not those around you. Man, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an internal, it's an internal process. Um, I'm going to read the first, the first affirmation from this book. I think that it, it explains it. The first affirmation um, states, I am love, I am light, I am powerful beyond my wildest dreams and imaginations. And so when you're saying things like that to yourself every day, your mindset has no, no choice but to shift. When you're speaking that, when you're in that meditation, you have no you know, no, no option, but to, but to rise to that. The second day says, I am worthy of all my dreams and desires. One of the things about it is I didn't feel worthy to be at that table. You know, I didn't feel worthy of some of the things I was getting. I remember, I remember being in New York. This is like one of my favorite stories. I was in New York. Chile was doing a whole bunch of press stuff. We were doing entertainment tonight, all these big, huge press outlets that I used to dream about going to. She was tired. She wanted to go back to the room. So we were all dressed up. The limo driver says, hey, she wants to go back. I'll drive you anywhere you want to go. And I was like, what? Because I'm so used to serving her. And this guy took time out of his day. He said, nope. He said, you know what? I watched you work all day. He said, let her get settled. You come back down. I'll take you wherever you need to go. I went shopping. He was waiting outside for me. And he treated me like I was the celebrity, right? He opened the door. He got out, got my bags. I went to go get some cheesecake by myself. And I just thank God. I was like, wow, this is just God showing me that he sees there's no respect of persons with him. He sees us all the same. That guy took me all around New York. He catered to me. And it was just a lesson from God to me to let me know that I was worthy of that and beyond. And all of us are. There is no difference. The only difference is you get what you ask for. You get what you believe you're worthy of. And so you have to change your mindset and realize that you are worthy of it. And that's a process. We're not all born with that. I definitely was not. I had to learn it. I had to learn it. And you can learn it too. Anybody can learn it. Anyone that Anyone that wants to invest in themselves can change their mindset to become successful. Indeed, indeed, I love that, I love that. What did you enjoy most about the process of writing a book? Um, you know what, it, it allowed me to go back through the, the journeys and the lessons that I learned. Right. So I, I was able to share stories and remind myself, I'm gonna read one more. It says, I possess, day three is, I possess within me everything needed to manifest the destiny that I choose. I was able to really use a lot of personal examples of yeah. things I've learned in life. So when you're writing, it takes you back through those things and reminds you of that. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, I was interviewing Roxy Diaz yesterday and she okay. said that a lot of the things that she posts that are positive are really for herself just as much as they are for other people. And that's true with this book. This book was my own reminder of what I need to, to keep, keep constant with myself because even though you can get to a good place, you always got to go back and recharge. You always got to go back and remind yourself. So it really kind of allowed me to, to take all this stuff that I've, that I've taken in and see it in front of me, right? And then I also have had a chance to really do the affirmations with other people, share with them, hear their feedback. It's just, it's been great. It's actually allowed me to focus and not be as anxious during this time as a lot of people are. And being able to help other people always makes you feel better. So it's it's really been a, it's been a great journey and I'm looking forward to sharing it with even more people. Absolutely, I love that and congratulations as well. Thank on completing you. that book. Where can they get the book at? What can they go ahead and support? 
the book is on Amazon and it's also, you can go to my website. The website is just howtowinwhenshithappens.com. It's just very simple. You can go there. There also is a playlist. And I think this is super important because I've learned with entertainment, music and words are the two most powerful things in the universe, right? So when you combine those two, words are important, saying things out loud, declaring what you want. But then when you, when you put music on and you, and you solidify that in your, you cement that in your brain, right? So there's, I, I call a friend of mine um, and I, I surround myself with positive, inspirational, successful people. Um, DJ Mark Battle, he is a very, one of the top entertainment DJs in the world. And I asked him, I told him what I want to do. And I said, I want to do a playlist that goes along with the book that keeps people motivated, right? And we, I said, I love things that Diddy says. I love Oprah. I love Sarah Jakes. I love Tony Robbins and all these different people. Um, and he put it together in a soundtrack that's free. All you have to do is go to the website, howtowinwhenshithappens.com and you click on the SoundCloud link and you can download it for free. And that keeps you in the mindset of just being motivated, being on your game, you know? Um, so what I tell people is you get, get the book, read this, and then make sure you listen to positive things. Make your own playlist of songs that keep you energetic because you dictate your own mood. If you're in a bad mood, change it, you know? That's all you have to do. So that we partnered on that and it's like you know i thought that was so dope i'm so thankful that he agreed to do that um and i think a lot of people have been blessed by it but it's the, the soundtrack is totally free the book is 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 4.99 for the kindle version 9.99 for the paperback so i want it to be very affordable i didn't want it to be 15 dollars or 20 i wanted everybody to be able to afford this to get this to be able to lit to read it to get these affirmations in their spirit you know because it really can change your life you can change your life at any time yeah it's a game-changing book so people that's listening make sure you get how to win when shit happens uh, how to win when shit happens.com. We are also mentioned again after we've done our interview. I've enjoyed you. You know, I've really uh, enjoyed every moment of it. Um, I love how transparent you are, just being true, you know, to yourself on and off the, the scene or so like that. So I wanted to ask, uh, you know, why do you feel like it's important for, you know, when they say it's so much of a male dominant space for a black woman to really have a voice with meaning? It's, it's very important because I remember when I first started entertainment, it's a male, it's a male dominated industry. Um, I think it's changing a lot now. My daughter's an engineer and, you know, things are changing, but thankfully I was able to be a part of it and, and, and learn and, and share that with her. But I think women have to help other women, you know, because when women are in an industry that's male dominated, a lot of times women make bad decisions to get in right? A guy is trying to holler at you. You go ahead and holler at him thinking it's going to help your career. It doesn't help your career. It's on some personal stuff. But I think women make those choices because number one, you know, we all want love. We all want acceptance. But then number two, if there doesn't seem to be any other way to get in besides through a man, and a lot of them are offering things that are not, you know, for your best interest, a lot of people feel like they don't have a choice, right? But if a sister can look at me and say, hey, Crystal, can I come talk to you? And I can put her in position. If I know, I, I really respect and, and look up to Molly Hunter. Molly is dope. Molly can put women in position. And then she feels like we've had conversations about how important it is for women to be the gatekeepers for other women. And then also when things do happen, because we know that there are a lot of situations that on both sides, I'm not saying there's only sexual harassment that goes male to female, 
It's all types of things that happen, but there needs to be accountability of both female and male. There cannot only be male, you know, uh, leadership. There has to be both so that we're able to have a balance, you know, and we're able to um, really be able to, to cater to everybody. If it's, if it's, if we only hear male voices, that's not good. But I also don't feel like we only need female voices. I have a lot of amazing male friends and male colleagues in my life that I support and love. It's just important for us to have a, uh, have a balance of both, you know? Um, and I think you can learn from both, but when there's, when there's imbalance and it's off balance and there's more of one than the other, then we have all types of issues that we see have happened over the years with, with Me Too and, and just different issues like that. So I think when there's, when there's women that are in place that, are, 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 that realize and take ownership of helping others, other women and other even young men, then we're, we're in a better, we're in a much better space. And it's so important. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I love talking to young women. I love mentoring young, young women and helping them get where they need to go. I also, like I said, have colleagues that I look to for advice and, and mentorship, but that's important to just have that balance in any, in any genre and in any field, you need to have both voices working together. Indeed, that's powerful. I love that. Um, and, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, getting advice from younger women or maybe a woman that you've mentored or whoever's in your life or so at the time, what was that one message that you can remember that you received from a young lady and it was just so impactful that it just left you with a, so much joy and that you, you was able to really be able to learn that you got to go even harder along your, along your journey? You know what? I will say, I say this, I'm going to take um, something that Roxy said yesterday that, that actually um, I really, really loved because I was asking her, you know, we, we, we met her on 106 in Park, right? Okay. And she's been able to segue from 106 in Park to Entertainment Tonight. Now she's on some big sports driven show uh, called Cannonball on USA Network. And I asked her, how she was able to transition because so many times people try to keep us in a bubble, right? Yes. Um, even for myself, when I wanted to start doing real estate investment, it, you know, and do other things outside of PR, they're like, oh, well, you're really good at PR, Crystal, you should do PR. And I'm like, no, nah, I could do a lot of other stuff, <laughs> you know? So I asked her, what was it that um, about her career that, that she's been able to transition? And she said the, tr the, the, the key for her, and I love this, is just not, not pigeonholing yourself, not stereotyping yourself. So when you look at something and you realize, yes, I'm good at this, but I'm also going to be good at something else. And you, you, you take that confidence into other things. Other people have no choice but to agree with you, right? So I was asking her what had, you know, what secret had she gotten that had enabled her to go from urban to, to non-urban to sports, to entertainment. And she really just, again, reaffirmed that the key was her own, her own mentality, herself, knowing that she is the magic, you know? I tell my goddaughters that, like, I have two goddaughters that I love to death and, I, okay. and my daughters, of course, and I tell them, you are the magic, you know? Um, my best friend told, told tell me that. He was like, you, well, he didn't say you are the magic. He would say, Crystal, you the shit. You are the shit. Yeah. And I'm like, 
And he would just scream that at me sometimes when I was feeling down. But I realized if you know that you are the magic, then you know any situation that you're in, you bring yeah. that light. It's not about yeah. the it's not about the situation being bigger than you. It's about you making it bigger. And Absolutely. taking that mentality in, I think is key. So I just I love what she said. I was like, I I put it up on on my Instagram page today because I was like, man, she that was really dope because it's not about what other people are expecting her to do. It's what she knows she has the capability to do. And she takes that to them and they have no choice but to get in line. Absolutely, I love that, that's amazing. Wow, um, and how is it important to you and those around you to really, really bring back into the community more that's been taken out along with supporting black businesses, not just in what today's age is going on, but just what's been going on for centuries? Right, um, I'm real passionate about that. I have conversations with, you know, some of my really good friends about how important it is for us to support each other. Um, and I'm, I don't, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I love supporting everybody, but I feel like there's so many issues in the African-American community that we gotta, we gotta take care of these issues. And the only way that we can take care of these issues is by mobilizing ourselves economically. That is the, that is the only way, like you can't, you can march, you can cry, you can pray, but until your dollar is strong and until you support and we don't need others to do things, I'm real big on, you know, let's just do it ourselves. I'm not gonna go ask you to do something for me. I'm gonna figure out how we can do it within ourselves. So I'm real, I'm real passionate about that. I also feel like you have to give back because the only reason that their groups have managed to eclipse us is because they, they've been able to do that. Now, a lot of the reasons that we haven't are definitely in our history and we don't have to go into all that. We know, you know where we came from, but we can change it. We can change it if we're willing to, to make the change. So I'm a part of, I'm on the board for two organizations, Saving Our Daughters and also the Tracy Nicole Foundation. Both of those organizations are dedicated to empowering young women. I'm also the executive director for Chili's Foundation again powering young women that's how i feel like i can get back because i know how insecure i felt as a little girl around a, a little girl around other white girls and then a black girl that was pro proper speaking around other black girls and then later as a, this broke single mom hanging out with celebrities i've always felt insecure so i know okay that's where i can help other people because i can tell them i can take what i learned and feed it into them and if i can feed that into young girls before they get to adulthood they will be unstoppable. They won't have to go through some of the hiccups that I went through. So that's what I feel like my passion and my purpose is. Yeah, I admire that. I admire you. I want Thank you to you. Um, take some time before we get out of here in a few minutes to just um, share something on this platform that you haven't shared in an interview or maybe share with somebody in such a while, something that's going to move our audience, our younger women and um, younger men as well that's listening and tuned in right now that's going to leave a lasting impact on their life? Man, you know, um, I, I feel like mental, mental health, you know, one of the things that I don't ever really talk about, but, you know, you, you mentioned when you, when the, your, one of your passions is prison reform. Um, one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life is my, my younger brother, my, my younger brother, um, my, my, well, I'll start my father. My father was a drug addict. And when you find out that a parent was a drug addict, it, it makes you feel a certain way about yourself. You wonder, I question like, what's wrong with my dad that he would be a drug addict? And then what does that mean about me? You know? Um, and, and then my younger brother ended up going to prison at 16, broke my heart, broke my mother's heart. 
um, one of the main motivators for me to not want to be a single parent family because I felt like what destroyed my family was my father not being there. Um, part of my brother's issue is a mental health component, right? Uh, and, and that's something that for so long, we don't talk about. African-American community doesn't talk about because I think there's shame and we don't really know how to fix it. But what I have learned, like I said, a lot of people don't even know I have a brother because I don't, I don't talk about it, not because I don't love him with all my heart, but because it's heartbreaking and we don't know the answer. I don't know how to fix it, right? But I think that not talking about things never fixes it. As I learned when I was going through my depression and my dark period with my ex-husband, that didn't make things better. I didn't start to get better until I started to talk about it, right? Until I started to open up. And so I think that that's the case, especially when I see, you know, young men. I, I had an inner, I was talking to a, a guy that I'm gonna start working with that's a, that's a therapist. He's African-American therapist. He's dope. And, um, and, and he basically talks to, to men. There's such a need for black men. And I, I, feel, I feel that down deep in my spirit because I, I know what, what pain I've gone through losing my brother to the system to an extent and the, and to see my mother go through that pain. So I would just say to anybody out there, you know, when you've gone through something, Afini Shakur, I had the beautiful honor of meeting Tupac's mother before she passed away. Wow. And I met her at the time when I was in a dark place. And I guess she could tell that. And she, she pulled me to the side and we had a, a very intimate conversation. And she told me that if I told my truth, that, I would take away others' power against me because I was afraid to tell anybody that I was divorced and all this stuff. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. And I, I'm, so, I'm so thankful that God gave me that experience. But I think that that goes into what I'm just saying right now is speaking about it with the right people in the right place is healing. We all have things. You know, when I'm out there, people don't know the pain that I have. They don't know that I lost my little brother when I was you know, 19 or 20, and he was 16 years old, you know, he, and he went to jail. It's like my best friend. Um, and also, you know, seeing, like I said, the pain that it put my mother through and then seeing what being in prison at such a young age did to my brother. All painful situations. I don't have the answers for that, but what I do know is talking about it is the only way that we can heal as a community. And I know that a lot of the things that we think our issues and our people are just bad people. They're not, they just need help. And they can't start to get that help unless they feel like their voice is welcome, you know? So I, I don't have the answers for that part, but what I do know is it starts with conversation, you know? Indeed. And I do know that as much as we talk about men and as much as, I mean, women, and as much as I feel my passion is with women, I also know that my, my greatest heartbreaks were my father and my brother and that we can't rise as a community if we're not giving attention to both sides. It can't just be all about women because I needed my brother and I needed my dad, you know? So that's, I don't think that it shouldn't be all, we shouldn't, oh, it's black girl magic. Yeah, but black, most black girl magic has heartbreak at, 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 at a father, a brother, a husband, a, it's all that. So we, we gotta, we, we, should, we should be looking towards unity as opposed to separation. So I'll, I'll leave you guys with that. That's a, that's a very difficult thing for me to talk about because like I said, there's no resolution. My father died from a drug overdose so that there was no resolution to his situation. But 
moving forward for other kids that may be out there dealing with that. I kept that in for so long and I couldn't get, I couldn't get free from it until I talked about it, you know? So. It's powerful. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that your brother's situation get a little better. Be praying for him at this community and inspire before we expire. We thank you for sharing that, you know, honestly, and that's what their strength and vulnerability. And I love that during this interview, you mentioned a lot about therapy and how, you know, uh, it was important for you to have, you know, therapy along your life and everything of that nature, because not too many people mention that because so many people got so much bolted up inside them. So I, I really thank you for really, really sharing that um, or so. And if you could just uh, write maybe a small part letter to your little brother right now, what would those words be like? I, I just, I would just say, I love you. And I always, I always have, and I always will. I love that. Always my best friend. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Um, during this time in COVID right now, what's the main focus for Crystal and her business and everything you got going on right now at this moment? Just, just, just staying focused and learning to take one day at a time. I don't think, I don't know what's going to happen. None of us do. I know a lot of people are anxious about it. But there's an affirmation in my book that says, I know that all things are working towards my good, right? And that's a song that um, Fred Hammond sings, and I'm, I'm a big gospel music fan. Um, there's a song he has, all things are working for me. So I just know that regardless of what happens, a virus, another shutdown or whatever, all things are working for me because God promised me that. You know, I, Jeremiah 29 11 is my favorite Bible verse. And basically it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a good future. So I know that that's true regardless of what's going on around me. And I stand on that. And that's the affirmation that I say, and that's a song that I listen to. So I would just encourage other people to know that we don't know the future, we're not God, but we have faith and faith is what moves us forward. Absolutely, absolutely. I love that. I wanted to take some time um, and really just show some gratitude towards you for really just being present from the very beginning of our conversation, even off the camera, you know, you just was nothing but just open. And as you got onto this, 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 this interview today to share just your story, your journey, taking time from your busy schedule or so like that, it not just means a lot to me, but myself and to the communities as well, because what you shared a lot is what people need to listen, to learn and to implement into their life of just being your authentic self. So many, things you've shared, you know, from being a young mother to going through a divorce to, you know, like just so much you've been through in life of the ups and downs in life and in business as well. Like I applaud you, you know, or so like that, like just as a, as a woman, as, as a leader. And I love that you said, you don't use boss, you know, or so like that. I love that as well. Just so much to relate to people that's, that's just a part of this and going through the times that we're in right now or maybe last year, the year before, and even finding time of the bliss during chaos. I just think that's amazing. And I want to give you your flowers while you're here right now because I think it's deserving and I think you deserve it as well, um, taking time to really, really be present on today's show to inspire before we expire. So I thank you for really, really being present. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Indeed, indeed. So when it's all said and done, what do you mostly want to be remembered for, Crystal? Just inspiring others to be their best self. Awesome. I, really do. I love that. If you could just leave us with your social media, your book project, where they can get the book at, and everything else, that'd be awesome. 
Yeah, well, of course, everybody can catch me at Enchanted PR everywhere. I'm on Twitter, um, Instagram, at Enchanted PR. You can go to the book to get the book is happens. I, I didn't, you know, I had to just make it very clear. I wouldn't have definitely put a curse word in the title, but I mean, that's what's going on right now. So I was like, hey, this is what it is. I just want people to get it. You can still win even when stuff is going on wrong around you. So you can get the book there. Like I said, it's $4.99 for the Kindle version for people that don't like the actual book, $9.99 for the paperback version. And, um, and then you can go to the website and also download the free playlist by DJ Mark Battle. Shouts out to DJ Mark Battle for holding Shout me down with that. Shout out. Shout out to DJ Mark Battles. I love that. That's dope too, because you put a little more creativity and a little more spice to it. That's right. dope. I want to. I want. I want you to just leave off one of your favorite quotes from the book, or maybe two favorite quotes of the book, and we'll get out of here. All right. Let me. Let me. Um. Because I pulled up a couple of um a couple of the quotes gotcha. that I um that I like. Um. This actually is from like I mentioned before, day three, and it says um the affirmation. Every day there's an affirmation and a quote. The first affirmation. I mean, the day three affirmation says, "I possess within me." everything needed to manifest the destiny that I choose. And the quote that goes along with that is unknown, but it says, everything you need is already within you. Don't wait for others to light your fire. You have your own matches. And that's, to me, it's just so, it's so real because you got to understand that people are so often waiting on other people to co-sign or validate them. And, and that's not, and that's not the case. You can start where you are. I'm gonna leave you guys this last one. And I'm going to get out of here. It is just, I embrace my passion, realizing it is leading me towards a higher version of myself. If you're fighting against your passion, you're not going to find your purpose. And that's what Oprah's quote is. Oprah is my spiritual mentor. And um, her quote is follow your passion. It will lead you to your purpose. Powerful. There you guys have it. I'm Terrell Sumter. That's the one and only Miss Crystal Jordan guys follow support her mission this is the inspire before we expire and we're out Woo!